0: Saving the greatest country in the world is not a short-term proposition, folks. We can save this great nation, but it's going to take all of us. Why? Because we are America. Herman Kane. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Kane. Thank you for joining us. Because we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts. Because we want you to be better informed and inspired to help make this a better america breaking news breaking news every day with herman Kane and the most connected man in washington jamie dupree Ooh. hello jamie hey herman how you doing today buddy fantastic military leaders going to capitol hill to talk about the islamic the strategy against Isla, the islamic state
1: Yeah, I think what we're hearing from the hearing this morning, Herman, more than anything is the familiar divide between the two parties on, you know, what's been going on, what needs to be done, et cetera. Uh, There was an interesting word that was used last week by the president when he hosted the French leader at the White House, and the president talked about how he had authorized accelerating U.S. military strikes against the Islamic State. That same word, accelerating, was used today by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs in his testimony as well. What it sounds like, reading between the lines, Is that not only, remember there was a plan announced a few weeks ago that about four dozen, I think it was about 50 in all, special forces would be sent over to operate on the ground in Syria to help with U.S. strikes, and that there would be an effort to sort of ramp up those strikes overall. Now, there weren't too many details offered uh, today by either the Defense Secretary or the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and when they laid out their plan, as uh, several of the Republicans said, basically, Herman, okay. Why don't we do more? You know, one, there was one, uh, the chairman of the committee basically said, look, we, sh- we should not wait until after the Islamic State strikes, either New York or Washington. We should go after them big time now. Uh, the, the military chiefs defended what they've been doing. Uh, they said they've, they've had an impact. They've been able to degrade sort of the, the Islamic State leadership. But obviously, there's a big divide on that issue, Herman, and that's playing out again today.
0: Wow. So... What do the, do they expect to get out of this? Or is it just supposed to be information to Congress as requested yeah. from the oh, yeah. military? It's,
1: it's more oversight than anything yeah. else. Okay. a typical kind of hearing. And right. you know, obviously, look, everybody disagrees on what exactly is happening and, and, uh, and the, the strength of the U.S. efforts, et cetera. But it's sort of a classic kind of uh, oversight hearing. And I don't think that, you know, what you're hearing, obviously, is a defense of the U.S. plans and the U.S. plans going forward by both the Defense Secretary and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Now, one interesting line that was not only said in today's hearing, but was also echoed by the President earlier today over in France, was again another public call for the Russians to change their strategy. And I think there is a mistaken view of a lot of people that the Russians over uh, in Syria are only going after the Islamic State. Uh, That's just not being borne out by the facts on the ground and what the U.S. uh, has been able to see and what journalists have been able to see. You know, part of the reason for the little uh, uh, the the mini battle last week between the Turks and the Russians is that the Russians are bombing groups just over in Syria that are allied not uh, they have nothing to do with the Islamic State they're the Turkmen who are allied more with the Turkish government than anything else so uh, the the U S both the president and military leaders today again urging the Russians very publicly to stop bombing these other groups
0: and turn their focus more on the Islamic State right um. So, but the president is putting all this emphasis on climate change. Is anybody in Washington, other than the administration, putting that kind of emphasis on climate change?
1: Well, I I think, again, this is uh, a classic example of the the priorities of the two parties being very different. You have a lot of Democrats who are very excited about the president's trip to Paris and believe that it will send a message, and, and hopefully in their minds, uh, bring something to fruition in the future. You've got a lot of Republicans. This message is falling on deaf ears. I uh, just listened in. Uh, Speaker Paul Ryan held his uh, news conference with reporters a little while ago, and uh, he said that uh, all these plans coming out of the administration will end up uh, killing jobs more than anything else because of the new restrictions that you'll put on coal and other industries. So the two sides just seeing this in a totally different light, uh and, and their emphasis is obviously completely different when it comes to global warming and climate change. And again I'll reemphasize what we spoke about yesterday, and that is if this administration is going to get anything done on the issue of global warming or climate change, it's gonna have to be done administratively because certainly there are not the votes there in the Congress. And and frankly, there weren't even the votes there in the Congress when the Democrats ran both the House and the Senate in the first two years of the Obama administration to do anything big when it comes to climate change.
0: Right. Let's go to the presidential race. Martin O'Malley uh, trying to breathe life into his campaign. How do you do that?
1: Well, you do it this morning. He's uh, meeting with uh, Democrats in the House of Representatives. Uh, I'm not sure that there's going to be a lot of them who will jump up and endorse him or anything like that. You know, with two months to go until Iowa, you look at both the Republican and the Democratic field, and there are some people who are like Martin O'Malley on both sides who just, you know, lightning has not struck, the poll numbers are not budging, they are way down, and you sort of look at them and you hear stories about them moving their personnel only to Iowa and out of their headquarters, and you wonder how long can they go on. Um, uh, you know, with two months to go, Herman, you well remember when you get start getting down in that, in that territory that uh, the pace picks up. I, I've certainly sensed it this week in watching the events both in Iowa and New Hampshire. You can just sense there's a different feel out there. There's more of an urgency. Now, it'll get interrupted by the holiday break, obviously. But, I, uh, you know, people like O'Malley certainly looking to try to catch lightning in a bottle. You know, one person, if you look at it, who's tried to capitalize a bit on that this week has been the New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. After yes. He got endorsed by the newspaper, the big Manchester union leader. Now it's called the New Hampshire union leader. He has really seemed to try, to try to get himself out there more and, and get a little more momentum in New Hampshire. That's one example of somebody who's seen it. And also, obviously, Ted Cruz has seen it as well. Though so I tell you what, I'm really detecting more and more out there, Herman, is Cruz and Rubio starting to go after each other much more directly. And I think in two weeks, in the next Republican debate in Las Vegas, I bet you we're going to see a little more of that in person.
0: I just, have a, I just wonder how much of that is being. Encouraged by their respective staffs versus them individually, that's always been a question because I know that we've seen that too many times. It's kind of similar to Kasich uh, attacking Trump, Uh, but people running Kasich's campaign are known for those kind of negative attacks and this sort of thing. And uh, so far, those negative attacks have not worked.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the Kasich Trump thing. I think it's more of an effort by Kasich to try uh, to get noticed and to and to knock Trump along the way. I sort of look at the Rubio Cruz stuff as both sides limbering up and getting ready, because I think a lot of people here really do believe that uh, that there will be room for an alternative to Donald Trump, and the big question is, will it be will it be Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz? I think sort of there's a lot of people here who wonder that maybe Ben Carson might be slipping a little. We'll have to see it. There's no polls that come out in the last few days, and that's mainly because of the Thanksgiving break. You didn't have pollsters out in the field during that time. So we might have a few more days in which we're sort of running blind here and just watching everybody. In terms of schedule, actually, Herman, uh, most of the Republicans will be in D.C. later this week. There's a big forum. I think it's uh, the Republican-Jewish forum, if I remember the name correctly, on Thursday. So Donald Trump and a whole bunch of others will be here for that, so we'll get a bit of a uh, Washington, D.C. stopping angle on the presidential race later this week.
0: Well, Trump had a big rally in Macon, Georgia last night. Uh, any buzz in your circles about what went on last night?
1: No, I, I think more than anything, what I'm always uh, interested in is the, the schedule of the candidates. And, you know, Trump has done everything differently in this campaign than everybody else. And his schedule on the stump is also much, much different. You know, there are a lot of people who like to do, what, three or four events a day You know, they they go one place. If you go to Macon, Georgia, you'd make a stop in Atlanta. You go somewhere else. Trump is really interesting. He doesn't do any of that. He does one event a day. He did that event last night in Georgia. He's got one event way up north in New Hampshire today. He's got one event in Virginia tomorrow. And uh, it's funny to to see him. He he prefers just the sole big event where he is the big focus. You don't see him in those little groups like the other candidates in someone's house, you know, meeting 10 or 15 people at a time.
0: Wow. Then you have Hillary Clinton. Turns out that um, she, some new, what's the latest count of classified emails, 999, is that correct? (laughs) That's what I heard, am I correct?
1: I don't know if that's the exact (laughs) number, but more and more definitely in the latest stats that have come out have been retroactively classified by the State Department. And when you look at the dates, uh, some of them they keep secret for five years, some for 10, some for 15 Some for more than that. Now, one of the emails that was released yesterday was interesting. It it had been red flagged by the intelligence community a few months ago uh, because they said that it clearly had intelligence material in it and should not have been sent. But the State Department went back and looked at it and said, no, we disagree, and they ended up releasing it yesterday. Uh, There were a number of items in those emails that were blacked out and redacted that you don't really know what they said. I thought what was really interesting, speaking of schedule again, uh, was yesterday Hillary Clinton, knowing full well, her team knowing full well that these emails would be released yesterday on the last day of the month. She was here in D.C. actually for a full day, Herman. She had three fundraisers and then a a foreign policy speech that she made. So uh, I just don't get the sense that the Clinton people are at all worried, or at least they're trying to project that, that they're worried at all about what's coming out in these emails now, you know, long term. Uh, the FBI may have something else to say about that, but in the short term, uh, they're sort of doing a what-me-worry kind of act at this point.
0: Right. Well, the beat goes on. They didn't hear a lot the last couple of days from some of the other candidates. Uh, haven't heard much about Bernie Sanders, and everybody else has been kind of quiet. Is that because of coming off of the Thanksgiving holiday?
1: I do think it's a little of that, and also, face it, we've had some much larger news that's been out there with the aftermath of the Paris attacks and more, and, you know, that gobbles up a little of that. But I, I do sense, when you mentioned Bernie Sanders, that his momentum has sort of ebbed. He's going to have to find a way. I, I think the focus on foreign policy has really hurt him in the sense that it's not that he's a one-trick pony or anything like that, but let's face it, his, his focus is much more on the domestic front. You know what I mean, Herman? Yeah. It's not as much on the foreign policy thing, and that, I think that's hurt. Uh, When you look at this month, though, you've got two distinct chances in both parties, uh, or one each uh, to be debating two weeks uh, for the Republicans on December 15th, and then you have a debate a little few days after that for the Democrats. And and those are the two big opportunities this month for the
0: Republicans and the Democrats to shake things up. Are you going to be at those two debates?
1: Uh, I'm going to be at the first one for the Republicans. The right. second one for the Democrats is another one of those that is on a Saturday, and this is the Saturday before Christmas. Yes, and we I simply, know. We, yeah, we simply made a business decision that it didn't make any sense right. to travel up to do that when you wouldn't get as much attention. I think it's unfortunate because I, I really think it would have been much better if those had been during the week. They would have gotten a lot more attention. But you know what? I don't run the
0: Democratic Party. Maybe Martin O'Malley will have... Uh you know, breathe some new life into his campaign by then. Let's see what happens. And then
1: again, I think the conventional wisdom would be maybe not. But, yes,
0: we'll (laughs) see. Thanks a lot, Jamie. See you, Herman. You're listening to The Herman Cain Show.